0: right here on CBS Sports Radio. The inevitable has finally happened. Brandon Staling fired. Tom Telesco fired. Now that the obvious has happened, it's time for the Chargers to start to look ahead. They have to make sure they don't repeat the same mistake again and hire Brandon Staley 2.0. They need, I think, a coach that does two things here. That knows what the hell they're doing. And can instantly command respect, and that's why if I'm the Chargers, there are only five coaches I would call with those two things in just uh, that, I, that I said in mind. Know what the hell they're doing? Commanding respect. Only five people I'm calling for this job, and I'm hiring one of these five names. I'm about to list to you in order. Number one, Sean McVay. Number two, Kyle Shanahan. Number three, Shane Steichen. Brian Dable. Four. Jim Harbaugh, five. Those are the only five names I am calling and offering my head coach opening to. And I am landing one of those five. That's it. No other calls. Those five names are specific for a reason. Because those five names are guarantees. They won't be a repeat of what happened with Brandon Staley. No other coach I think that's realistic, that's possible, you could make that same argument for. If you're the Chargers here, you have to make sure first and foremost with a quarterback about to enter his prime in Justin Herbert at age 25 years old, you have to make sure that uh, that Brandon Staley 2.0 is not your next head coach. Those five names guarantee he won't be. And the biggest thing the Charters have to do now that they have fired Brandon Staley is learn why they had to fire Brandon. Like, why did it fail? Why did Brandon Staley not work out? They have to learn history in order not to repeat it. And I think for me, the the reason why Brandon Staley failed is because his defense stunk. Every other problem can get traced back to running a bad defense. Because for me, it's impossible. Right? If you are anyone on the team to rally around Brandon Staley when he can't even get his own side of the ball right. Like, imagine your line of work. Imagine you were in a kitchen, line cook. And imagine the head chef comes up to you and says, ah, that broccoli, Rob, eh, a little too little too well done. Maybe let's make it a little better next time. But then he goes back, and as he's making his own meals, Ed, they're all getting sent back. There's bad reviews. People aren't happy about how the dish is made. Like you can't take him seriously if he can't handle his own business. Imagine you worked in sales, boss comes over to you, mm, that closing line you had didn't didn't really work out. Didn't like that one. But let's 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 work on how we can get some better closing lines. But the guy has no people skills. You can't listen to them, trust them, and hear what they have to say if you look at what they do and they can't even do their own job correctly. It's just it's it's normal in any line of work we do. And that's what happened here with the Chargers. Every issue Brandon Staley had went back to the fact that he couldn't coach his defense. He was hired as a defensive mastermind. And that Rams defense in 2020, when he was the defense coordinator, was elite. First in total defense, first in scoring defense. And you look what happened. I don't know if he just left it at the Rams facility whatever, whatever, but he crossed town. That Chargers defense was routinely. What are the worst in the league each and every year? 2021, 30th in scoring defense. 2022, 21st in scoring defense. This year, 27th in scoring defense. Can't stop anybody. And they've also, in the biggest moments of the three years Brandon Staley's been there, the defense has let the team down. Right, Go back to that 2021 season. Remember when they had the Raiders-Chargers, basically the de facto playoff game? In the last week of the season, in Las Vegas, winner uh, went to the playoffs. Chargers lost that game. Defense allowed 35 points, and the game-winning field goal in overtime allowed two field goals in overtime. Raiders went down the field both times. Defense in the biggest moment failed the Chargers. Blew 27 nothing lead in the playoffs last year. Defense failed them. I mean, <laughs> 63 points. Fitting end to the Brandon Staley era allowing 63 to a Raiders team that was shut out the week before. And you look this year, five out of their nine losses has been when the defense has allowed a late score in the fourth quarter. The defense has routinely failed the Chargers. And if you are anyone else, even if you're on the defense, how can you listen? How can you rally around Brandon Staley when he is failing routinely at the one area he was supposed to be an expert in Defense. So it's impossible for him to rally a locker room. There's no way he can have the trust of his team when he doesn't even have the trust of his own defense. That is why Brandon Staley failed. And that is what the Chargers have to remember when they are now going about hiring his replacement. They have to make sure whoever they bring in, number one, again, knows what they're doing. If you hire an offensive-minded head coach, can run the damn offense. But then number two, can command respect. And that's why I go back to those five names. McVay, Shanahan, Dable, Steichen, Jim Harbaugh. All five of those guys know what they're doing on offense and can command respect. That's the list. And look, is it realistic? I would say still most, yeah. And If you're Sean McVay, right? I mean, this is a guy who is floored with retirement, who is floored with a broadcast booth. You are now. You could get it off of the Chargers call for you to work with a quarterback entering his prime. You could stay in the t- like stay in the house. You you don't have to move, and maybe that reinvigorates you to coach again. And if you're the Rams, I mean, McVay has now floored two years in a row with retiring. He retires, he steps away, you get nothing back for him. If the Chargers offer a first-round pick, maybe offer a few players for Sean McVay, you may have to cash in while you can. Cash in and trade McVay before he retires and you get nothing for him. Shannon, I think, is the only unrealistic one. I don't see why he would leave or the 49ers would let him leave, but that's still a call you have to make if you're the Chargers to see if there's any sort of interest in pairing him with Justin Herbert. But if he says no, Shane Steichen, I mean, I he did work with Justin Herbert already. Now I think he's excited to work with Anthony Richardson, but he did help Herbert win rookie of the year. And Jim Mersey is out, you know, it's crazy enough where could he entertain, maybe trading a first round pick for his head coach? I mean, plenty of owners wouldn't. Jim Mersey, he's crazy enough where you can't rule it out. And the Giants, like, Giants need talent. They have they're gonna have a high first round pick. The Chargers are gonna pick what tenth, twelfth? Somewhere in that range? Two top ten, two top twelve picks if you're the Giants for a team that desperately needs um talent all, all throughout the roster, not a bad option. Not to mention if you're Dayball, like you wanna work with down Jones? You wanna coach Danny uh or Tommy DeVito more? I don't think so. So like these coaches, I think, would be interested. But if the Rams say no, the 49ers say no, Colts say no, Giants say no, Jim Harbaugh. You don't need permission for Michigan. He desperately wants to come back to the NFL. You don't have to give up any draft capital to get him. And this guy's a winner. Three out of four years in San Francisco, NFC title games, one Super Bowl appearance, and now again doing a great job in Michigan. Three years in a row, Big Ten titles, college football playoff appearances. Guy wins. That's what you need. But the biggest thing that Chargers need here, and the reason why those five names are specifically listed, is because the Chargers need a face of their franchise. Like, their head coach needs to be the face of the franchise because they need to provide competency. Not even Justin Herbert is good enough to put everyone on his back and lead them. The Chargers have been directional directional directionless, easy for me to say, for years. Their ownership is bad. They are notoriously cheap. You hire one of these five head coaches we're talking about, they are the organization, right? They're not just the head coach or the offensive play caller. They're the organization. I and mean, they bring you competency. They bring you a level of respect and trust that has not been there. They turn this franchise around the day they walk in the door. And that's also part of this highlight. The Chargers, I think, have to go big game hunting in part because I think they need more than just a head coach. They need an overall football leader. And that's what McVay, Shanahan, Sykin, Dayball, Harbaugh, that's what they bring. More than just their play calling and quarterback development skills, they bring an overall team going forward here that I think you could feel good about going forward. So that's what I think the Chargers should do. You have to make sure history does not repeat itself, and that's why. Look, Ben Johnson could be the next great head coach. Eric Bieni, if he gets a chance, could be a great head coach. I have no idea if they can be good head coaches or not. They're good play callers, have good offenses. No idea if they're actually good enough um, to be head coaches. And so, if I'm the Chargers, already flopping on um, Brandon Staley, a hot you know hot shot coordinator. Three years ago, I'm not going down the same path again. I'm not taking another risk um, and hoping Ben Johnson is different, but risking that he is the offensive version of Brandon Staley. I'm going with a known commodity that I know without a doubt is good enough to not only get my team back to relevancy, but get my team for the first time in 30 years, 40 years, have them actually be super Bowl contenders. So 855 212 4227. 855 212 4227. Who do you think is the best fit for the Chargers as their next head coach? Rick is calling from Toronto. What up, Rick?
1: Thank you for taking my call, Ryan.
0: Of course, man. Good morning. Uh, First
1: of all, the Nachos are not available in Canada if you want to know the spirit. So, because they have to send it to post, uh, not post, code, zip codes in the United States. Secondly, interesting. I do not, what, sorry?
0: Oh, no, sorry, sorry, just interesting.
1: Okay, second thing, I think that uh, I am not a fan of Kyle Shanahan. I don't like like him because he injures everybody like Debo Samuel and Christian McCafferty. And so I think Kansas City is maybe the choice, maybe Baltimore. Any team in the AFC could beat him, I think. Third thing, my choice is for coaches to replace Brandon Saley, since they had Anthony Lynn before, I think Dean Spadles is going to get somebody like Raheem Morris or some of his oh. defensive coordinator, Derek Ainsley is their coach. I do not agree they are going to get uh, the choices you have because I think Dean Spadles would be cheap and would not spend the money for the Los Angeles Chargers. So my choices are those people. Raheem Morris is a good choice for them. He, he's, he was a defensive uh, coordinator uh, for the Los Angeles line, just like Brandon Staley. So that's my choice, or somebody like that, someone who, who's a secondary coach, uh, will be the choice that he'll will, he will pick, Dean Sandals. Okay, oh. thank you very much for your time. Have a good night. Thank um, you, Rick.
0: Quiet. You too. That is, I mean, dis- if you are a Chargers fan, that is as disheartening uh, a call as you could get. And this is the thing about going cheap. If like this is what I don't understand. I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire, so maybe I sh- You know, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But when it comes to spending money, right? The Spanos family has been notoriously cheap. Two things. Number one, how has that worked out for them? Number two, when you act- when you go cheap, you end up spending more money. Like, sure, if you. If you want Sean McVay, you're going to probably give him, you know, double whatever his salary is now. Or double whatever at least Brandon Staley is making, right? But when you're firing your GM and your head coach and then replacing them in three years and firing your GM and your head coach again because you keep going cheap after another three years, like, you're paying more money in the long run because you're continuously firing coaches and GMs. You're paying them not to to coach and work there anymore then you're bringing in other people as well. Like, it's with anything. Like, if you go cheap, you end up paying more because you have to fix it, replace it, fix, replace it more often than you would if you hire a great coach. So you could say, oh, they, they're going to go cheap. They're not going to spend the money to get a to get a McVeigh or, or get a Jim Harbaugh. And they end up spending more money if they go cheap and don't do that then. That's what I never understand when it comes to, you know, being cheap, they don't save money. In the long run, you spend more money. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, obvious to me. I don't know why it's not obvious to the Spanos family. Buck is calling from Birmingham. What's up, Buck? Yeah, thanks
2: for taking my call. I think that Eric B. Anderman would be the best choice because he, he knows the division. In order to restore the, the charges to prominence, they're going to have to go through Kansas City, and he knows Kansas City and all. But the defeat by the Raiders, I'm a former Raider fan, the other night called Gene Klein to roll over in his grave. It ain't about money. It's about pride. For years, Gene Klein and, and the ownership of the Raiders had a difference between each other. And it, it means more to the charges now to, to redeem themselves than ever. It ain't about money. And it's about pride. And 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 of all the other coaches' possibilities you mentioned, Eric uh, B. would bring a, a sense of uh, offensive spirit to you know? everybody else in the Western AFC West, man. I just think that Eric B. would be the way to go now. They've got to go with somebody that's an offensive guru. And of all the other coaches that you talk about, none of them can stand next to Eric B. Enemy in my mind. To be the best offensive man, person to go there. But for the Chargers, the rose.
0: I hear you, Buck. Thank you for the call, buddy. Um, I I would not hire Eric Bieniemy at this point. If I, again, if I'm the Chargers, it's I just I'm not taking it. Like for me, there's no you should not take a risk. Like the the days of the unknown. Oh, is this coordinator going to work out? Can this retread head coach work out? Like, this cannot be a hire where it is a risk. This has to be a hire where it is a slam dunk. You know from day number one it is guaranteed to succeed. There's not a lot of coaches you could say that with, but there are some on this list that absolutely you can. All five of them. And listen, you think, uh, I think you can say that about McVay, Shanahan, Sykin, Dayball, Harbaugh. Jim, that is. is a, I have no idea. Can he be a head coach? I mean... There's a reason why he's got 15 head coach interviews and hasn't gotten hired. I don't know what the reason is. I don't want to find out. Great offensive mind in the division like you said. I think part of the Chiefs struggles right now is the fact that Matt Nagy is the offensive coordinator, but I just I don't know if he's a good head coach. And I, I'm not risking after going the Brandon Staley route and, and you know going on a unproven head coach. I can't go down that path again. Not with Herbert turning 25. Not with his extension about to kick in soon. Not with other questions on offense. Like, you got to, I mean, get this right now. And that means, to me, going the established route. It is Hick and Night. Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome. Appreciate you for making us a part of your Saturday right here on CBS Sports Radio. If you missed any part of the show... Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. That way, get caught up on everything we've talked about today. It's been a very busy show. A lot of 49ers, a lot of Cowboys, a lot of Chargers now as well. We'll get to college football here in a little bit. So a lot to break down from this show. One way to get caught up on everything, Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. Free and available wherever you do get your podcasts also, check out my YouTube channel, Ryan Hickey. Just search right there. Find the page. A lot of video content uploaded to that YouTube page as well as a lot of audio content uploaded to the podcast page. Okay, so the Chargers job is open. And because Justin Herbert is there, I feel like it's perceived as a slam dunk easy. You come in right away, kind of plug and play. No matter what head coach is there, you have success. And it's this is a great job. This job's a lot tougher than I think you realize. Here's why. This offense, well, this roster in general is going to need a lot of work, especially the offense. Like Keenan Allen right now is aging. He's the number one wide receiver. He's 32 years old. You have to replace him sooner rather than later. So you're going to need a new number one receiver. Mike Williams, your one A, your two, if you will, however you want to label him. He's always hurt, always hurt, can't stay healthy. Quinn Johnston, your number one uh, pick. Underwhelming so far in his rookie year. And Austin Eckler is gone. Free agent at the end of the year. I don't think he's going to be back um, in L.A. next year. So new running back, whole new receiver core you have to figure out here sooner rather than later. There's a lot of questions just offensively after the quarterback that you have to figure out and get in order sooner rather than later. Not to mention defensively. You got a lot of big names, not a lot of production, though. So you, that's a defense that's aging right now that is going to have to be overhauled, and you are in cap hell. I believe right now it's $45 million? I believe it's $45 million over the cap right now the Chargers are next year. So you're in cap hell. You need to overhaul your defense. You got a lot of replacements to make on the offense. This is an overall aging roster going in the wrong direction. Yeah, you got the quarterback, which is obviously the most right important position on the field in the NFL. But you got a lot to replace. You have a lot to replace. So that's why for me, it's like not as simple of a job or not as attractive of a job as it may seem on the surface. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be. 855-212-4227. Who, though, do you think is a good match for this job? Who is the best head coach you think right now that would fit well for the Chargers? The five names I think L.A. should call. In order, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Shane Sykin, Brian Dayball, Jim Harbaugh. Try to convince one of those five, or really one of the four right now under uh, a contract for another team. Try to convince them. To come to your team and give the Rams, the 49ers, Colts, Giants, whatever it takes in terms of draft pick and um, player to make a trade to get that head coach. If all four say no, go to Jim Harbaugh, who wants to be back in the NFL, give him an offer he can't refuse, and say, Jim, make some magic. Ed is calling from California. What's up, Ed?
3: Hey, how you doing, Ryan?
0: Good, Ed. We're hanging, man. How you doing?
3: Uh, I'm doing okay. Just walking in from work. Nice. Just on my way home, and show, uh, I just wanted to touch quickly on the Chargers situation. Um, you made a made a comment regarding them uh losing, uh, giving up 63 points, which subsequently led to his firing. But I don't think it as much as the 63 points. Um, I think it would have to date back to last season when all they had to do was take the tie and they were in the playoffs. And that that started started the uh the uh
0: the ball to drop on his on his jaw. especially yeah, when they gave up 35 points, a defensive mastermind right. gets roasted and that big basically was a playoff game.
3: Exactly. Um so but my other mother my thing is, is that as far as the coaching, you might think I'm a little crazy here, but um I'm just going to give my opinion. Um I think that um they should go and, and rehire the general the the, the the coaches they got rid of to get uh Staley there with Anthony Lynn. He did really give Anthony Lynn an opportunity to to really develop that team. He had an aging quarterback starting out. Um when he when they did get the quarterback they needed, the the team was decimated with injuries. Um that was one one idea to bring him back. Second Second, the uh, enemy. You seem to be ag- against that, uh, but I think bringing the B- enemy in would be because he's a hometown, uh, a coach from from the LA area, um, and uh, he's actually good with the players. I think that he can bring sparks to that offense. They have the weapons there. They just Quentin Johnson, in my opinion, was 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 a bust uh, as a first round this mm-hmm. season. He just he didn't go after it. He had the opportunity with Mike Williams to go down to be the one of the go to guys. He just didn't develop in that uh, in that position. Um another another name I would I would throw out there, um, which he might be losing his job pretty soon, is another hometown guy. He's not on the offensive side, but uh Ron Rivera. I mean he, he, he no. gets a little respect. He's coming back home uh to the LA area as well. Are you a Chargers so, fan, Ed? I'm a Oh, 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 I'm gonna tell you, my fan. You got to keep my coach name out your mouth when you're talking about going to the Chargers. I'm a LA Rams fan,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so but I'm from. I grew up in LA, so that's the reason why. You, you got to bring a hometown, a, a, a hometown coach, someone from that area. Um, that's why. I, that believe.
0: Why are you so strong on the the hometown ties? What about just getting a great head coach? Uh,
3: well, let's, let's just. Ethne Lynn's not a hometown cat, but I got you. But uh, but going with the enemy or, or Rivera, uh, I think the level of respect uh, from the fans would, would welcome them a lot more. Um, and I'm looking outside the uh, organization as a, a counter fan. Uh, I think that just bringing someone would, would bring the fan base. So a lot of people are disappointed um, at at um, the GM from the beginning, uh, they didn't really like that hire. So, but moving forward, I think that you bring a hometown favorite, a hometown uh, individual that's from the area that probably could spark the Chargers. You, you never know. You, you you never know. So I hear you, uh, Ed.
0: Appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you for listening. I- Hope work was was enjoyable. Good. Thank you for making us a part of your commute home. I I mean, honestly, look. I'm not a Chargers fan, so I'm not going to speak for the Chargers fan base. But as an NFL fan of a team, I think the best way to get your, your fans uh, engaged and behind a hire is winning. You don't have to win the press conference. There's plenty of head coaches that bomb the press conference that have won. Uh, Doug Peterson was called the Village Idiot. Won a Super Bowl. Nick Sirianni, I mean, I've never seen someone more nervous in my life in an introductory press conference. Went to the Super Bowl last year. You don't have to win the press conference. You got to just win games. Like, that's, like, I don't think it matters, like, where you're from, if you're a hometown kid or not. I think fans want to win. And so, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you can win, you're in. Especially for Chargers fans, again, when you have Anthony Lynn, you have Brandon Staley, and you're constantly used to having a lot of talent and always underachieving, I think finally, for the first time in a long time, overachieving or just meeting expectations even, is enough for you to feel really good about your head coach. So that's why I think the Chargers should be focused on winning. Now, where are coaches from or hometown roots? Winning games, being a playoff team, and being a Super Bowl contender, I think will go a long way. Go a long way. Who the hell can be said? The weekend before Christmas. So an early Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays to you. We will be back next week. Don't worry. A lot of Christmas music to be played next week, I'm sure. I'm very excited. I cannot wait. But before that, hey, long way to go. Long weekend to go here. Happy weekend to you. Thank you for making us a part of it right here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so we've talked a lot of NFL tonight. I do want to quickly squeeze in a few college football points. We can't do so without the best team in all of sports. There is a mass exodus happening right now at Georgia. 17 players in the transfer portal. With that said, Dogs fans, there's no reason to panic. Remain calm all as well. This is what happens when you have an elite team. This is what happens when you have elite recruiting classes stacked on top of each other year after year after year. You have a lot of players that want to play that can't play. It's not a problem. It's not a bad thing. Guys want to play, and now with the one-time free transfer, it's easier to leave than ever. But this is not a culture issue. This is not doubts of Kirby Smart this is just a ton of elite players that aren't seeing any playing time. That would start most other places in the SEC and most other places in the country. Alabama, you know, you have players that, I mean, there are players at all programs that stick it out that, you know, sit two or three years. And then as a junior senior playing, get their draft stock elevated, then go to the league. Others want to, don't want to sit around. Don't want to be as patient. I don't think there's one right way and one wrong way to go about it. It's just, Your personality. But it's like the Georgia has right now the number one recruiting class in the country. They got 28 commits. 28. That's massive. So you need players to leave. If you're going to bring in 28 new players in the number one recruiting class, you're going to need guys to leave. This is the price you pay, if you will, to constantly recruiting at an elite level. And look, Dylan Raiola looks like he's going to leave the number one quarterback prospect in a 2024 class. He is committed right now to Georgia, but as we speak, I believe he's currently in Lincoln, Nebraska on a visit to uh, the Cornhuskers. So it, it's trending like he's going to be a Nebraska Cornhusker next year. Raiola, that is. That's no reason to panic. Kirby Smart is recruiting at still an elite level. This is what happens guys leave, big names leave. That's when you know you made it. So it, the headline doesn't look good. No reason to panic, I promise. All right, and you did have a big commitment on Friday, and that is former Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers transferring to Washington. This is a perfect fit. Like, there are better quarterbacks. And I think for me, like, we'll wait to see how everything else shakes out. But right now, at least how I look at it, Cam Ward, assuming he, if he lands a former Washington State quarterback, if he goes to Ohio State, that to me is the best pickup of the portal season. But just because it's the best landing doesn't mean it's the best fit. When it comes to fit, like matching what a quarterback does well versus what a team does well, there is no better fit than Will Rogers going to Washington. This is like truly peanut butter and jelly. Rodgers, in his career, 12,315 passing yards, second all-time in SEC history. Now, he's going to Washington, and he's going to take over next year from Michael Penix Jr., who led the, uh, led the nation in passing yards this year, 4,200 passing yards. So you have a pass-happy offense, now bringing in a quarterback who's a pass-happy quarterback. It's a tremendous fit. Washington still is going to, they're probably going to lose a ton of receivers. So they're going to need to rebuild that, whether it's in the portal or um, through recruiting. But Kalen DeBoer is someone who's a tremendous offensive mind. And is going to have, I think, a lot of fun with Will Rogers running things next year in Seattle. That's going to be, that's a tremendous way to get Big Ten plays started there for Washington. And finally, look, I am pro Transfer Portal. I think Transfer Portal, I think NIL, I think they are tremendous for the sport. And I think also, by the way, we're seeing that in viewership. This is the most watched college football season ever this past season. So for those saying, oh, NAL is going to ruin the college game. Trans report, this is, this is just ruining college athletics. The ratings, the excitement, the buzz would say otherwise. And also the parody. We had eight teams going to the final weekend of college football um, that had a strong case to be a top four playoff team. We saw more parody this year than ever. That's not a um, that's not an accident or coincidence. With that said though, I have one issue with the with the transfer portal, and that is this: the timing of it. Right now, the transfer portal window for you to enter your name in there is one month from December 4th through January 2nd. Obviously, we're right now in the middle of that. But why I have an issue with the calendar is is that if you are looking to transfer and you are on a team in the college football playoff, you got to basically leave the team. And that's what's happening right now with backup quarterback for Texas, Malik Murphy. I feel bad for him. Quinn Ewers is coming back. Arch Manning is there. So I think Malik Murphy sees the writing on the wall. If I want to play and continue my career, I got to go somewhere else. I don't think he, he doesn't want to leave Texas. He has to leave Texas, but it's ridiculous. He has to leave Texas right now. Like, he is not going to be on the team when they play Washington on January 1st. He has to leave now because he's going on official visits. You know, he's going to South Carolina, going to Duke, and he's trying to look out for his future. But because the calendar is screwed up, he has to leave a college football playoff team in order to do what's best for him. That's ridiculous. Like, how are we having the transfer portal open so early with bowls going on and championships still to be won? Why can't – I think it's the 8th. And Let me just – it doesn't really matter. I mean, it, whatever it is. what that, The national title, right, is that Monday, the 7th or the 8th of January. Why can't we open the transfer portal up the day after? Why does it have to be open now? W- what are kids rushing to transfer now for? Semester doesn't start January 1st. You got time to still enroll and be eligible for the spring semester and, and get to class. Why is the transfer portal open now and it forces kids to leave either bowl games where they don't want to leave, or in this case, in Malik Murphy's case, he has to leave an, a possible national title team to do his best for him? That's absurd. You got, the calendar has to be fixed. There's no reason why it's open right now. Because that's a guy who would play if Quinn Ewers, God forbid, gets hurt. And could be the difference between Texas winning a national title this year or not? Like if Quinn Ewers gets hurt and he Malik Murphy comes in and plays well, still win a ring. If Arch Manning struggles, that could be the difference. The calendar has to change. It's ridiculous that Malik Murphy has to choose between competing for a national title or competing, or trying to figure out what's best for him. Transfer portal is good. NIL is good. Just fix the timing. Fix the timing. um, When it comes to when the portal's open and when kids can really start to transfer and just let them finish at the bowl season. No reason has to start at the end of the regular season. Let it start after the bowl season. Just like for, I mean, could you imagine like, free agency in football started after the regular season. And if like, you're like, you know, Patrick Holmes is backup, you got to decide, well, do I want to stay in Kansas City or do I want to go, you know, spread my wings and finally try to get a starting job somewhere else and you got to leave before the playoffs start. Makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Fix the timing, otherwise everything else is fine. All right, it is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. A lot of this show has been around the 40, built around the 49ers. Because the more you watch the NFL, the more it's like everyone else is average except for San Francisco. Like if they don't win the Super Bowl, it's a massive failure. I would say it's the biggest failure since the Patriots in 07 failed to win the Super Bowl when they were 18 and 0 going to face the Giants there in the Super Bowl. That's how much, for me, of a letdown it would be if they can't finish it off with how good they've been and how average I think everyone else has been. So, 855-212-4227. Mike in Maryland has some thoughts. What up, Mike?
1: Hey, how's it going, man?
0: Good, man. We're chilling. How you doing?
1: Great. Hey, uh, I noticed earlier in the show you were talking about what team could beat the 49ers, and you went through several teams, of course, in playoff contention, but... In my mind, conspicuously, you missed one team that's already beaten the 49ers that's in playoff contention, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Come on, Mike. Well, I know, because you got all this controversy, but let me just point out a few things. They are winning, albeit, you know, hilariously in some places, but brilliantly in some others. You know, a few weeks ago, everybody was on their dick, excuse me, and Josh.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's. The Vikings with Joshua Dobbs, you know, and thank you for the call, Mike. Um, Now going, you know, to Nick Mullins and you have Jaron Hall there. Like, I just don't think the offense is good enough. They won with Kirk Cousins back, I think it was like week seven, I want to say, off the top of my head. I, I, I do forget my apologies there. But it's not like they, the Vikings are not playing good football. And they are a way different team now than they were back when they played the 49ers. And the 49ers, conversely, Or a way different team now compared to when they were um, back when they played on that Monday night. Both teams have gone in different directions. Look, what Kevin Stefanski, or Kevin Stefanski, what Kevin O'Connell is doing this year in Minnesota is unbelievable. Coach of the year worthy. All these quarterbacks playing and still figuring out ways to win the game. But when you're talking about now trying to beat the 49ers in the playoffs, I just don't see it. I don't see how they're going to have generate, enough, uh, generate enough offense. Even if Brian Flores' defense puts the 49ers in a blender like he did on that Monday night game, I don't think they're going to score enough, whether it is Mullins or Hall or Dobbs, score enough to actually make it matter. I don't think anyone's beating the 49ers. And again, I would be shocked if anyone but San Francisco is raising the Lombardi Trophy when it's all said and done. That'll do it for this uh, this edition of Hick at Night. A huge thank you to Alex's arm. Did a tremendous job producing this show right here. Don't go anywhere. Sean Levine up next. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you next Saturday. It's been Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey right here on CBS Sports Radio.